1: Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for listening. Another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast coming your way, episode 242. Today, we want to talk about the state of writing. And here's the reality, and, and this is my opinion, like everything I say, most everything I say. Uh, writing matters. I don't care if you're a podcaster or a social media person or a blogger or I, it doesn't make any difference. If you don't know how to write, it's really hard to do anything. I mean, even for this podcast, I got to write good titles, and if I don't write good titles, nobody even clicks the play button unless I have some, you know, out of this world kind of guest on the show. But today we want to talk about the state of writing, and there's actually. Um, a year annual, I think it's annual, annual survey that comes out. Um, and before we jump into that, we did talk about um surveys and original research and how you want to try uh, integrating that into your content marketing back in May, May 12th, 2020, with Michelle Lynn. So make sure you check out that episode. Uh, we'll, I'll try to post a link to it as well. Um, but it but research is a great way to connect with people. And also not just that but to get information from people about what's going on in the industry. So today's guest joining us from, I believe, Australia, Sarah Mitchell, founder and director of typeset and global copywriting bright and early in Australia. Isn't that right, Sarah?
0: Yeah, it is, it's like 6 a.m. So um, that's why we're not doing a live stream, Christoph. Thank you for being accommodating about that.
1: Well, I in my I thought we were not doing the live stream because I have a bad hair day today, but uh we'll go with that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, well the double bad hair day
1: then. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. And uh thanks for getting up early. I don't know if you're a morning person or not. Um either way. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. So typesetcontent.com. You guys have done the state of writing survey. Is it how many years has it been going?
0: This will be the second year. We're just starting our second survey. So typeset is a, um, a, a relatively new business. We launched in March of 2019. And one of the things I really wanted to do was to figure out this whole thing about writing effectiveness. So, you know, we're an editorial services company fascinated with in the in this era of content, it's both you know writing is both art and science. So, what makes some writing work, and what makes other writing not so work? I mean, you'll know, Christoph, the that internet is littered with content that nobody sees. Some of it's really great, and then there's stuff that we all see that you read it and you just think this is terrible. How does it get so many <laughs> eyes across it? And then you talk to companies all the time who. You know, they may have a really ugly little fact sheet that drives tons of traffic to their website and gets them all the conversations they need. And then we've all seen examples where people spend a lot of money and time and investment creating beautiful content, and then it just flops. So from my own perspective and for my customers and a lot of people working in content, what we wanted to find out was what works and what doesn 't, and what can we learn from people that are having a lot of success with writing and I wanted to take this beyond that whole academic you know uh, this is this is good grammar or this is what this is what good writers do or good writers don 't do. I wanted to find out what can marketers and business communicators do with their writing to make it more effective. And get a better return on that writing investment. So that that's a long explanation to your uh,
1: short question. Well, that's usually how it goes, and that's how journalistic storytellers like I like it. Um, we ask a short question and get a comprehensive answer. So it's interesting about that comment, Sarah, is that you know when I started in marketing or even journalism, nobody I, there was no performance of content, right? It was. It would go in the newspaper uh, th- automatically. That's delivered to your uh, doorstep. If my boss liked it, I was. I was golden. Um, and of course, today, you know, I mean, I, I recently wrote an article that had a hundred thousand views, and I would not say I will win any literary prizes for that <laughs> article. <laughs> I'm not saying it was terribly written, but it was definitely not the best written article on the internet but it hit like a niche right it hit something that people were searching for it hit something that people were um yeah, were looking for at the time and it was i think maybe the only article on the web at for a week that covered the topic so is uh, how do we kind of marry those two right we have content people need and we have it be good content in the traditional sense or does it make any difference
0: Well, that, and that's the crux of the problem. And, you know, I had an idea from working in content for a long time and from, you know, um, running my freelance business, Global Copywriting. And then I worked in an agency for a while. And that was always, uh, you know, when you're in an agency situation, it's usually kind of high stakes because people have brought you in for your expertise. And there's a lot of um, investment on the line and they expect a result. What is working and what isn't? And why do some things work and why do some things not? So the first thing that we we wanted to find out was, you know, what is the state of writing out there? Because I, I don't think, even in marketing departments and in comms teams, I don't think they put enough emphasize, emphasis on the actual production, the content creation, you know. And, and that always, in my opinion, that always comes down to the written word, even if you're doing video or if you're doing podcasting or audio, there's still scripting and things that need to be done. So we went out and we said, just as a, like a baseline, you know, do you know what successful writing looks like? Are our are, are modern marketers able to assess what successful writing is? And then we wanted to find out, you know, who was having success with it. So what came back and this really surprised me um, was that 76% of, uh, of the respondents said, yes, we know what successful writing looks like. But only 45% of them said that it was, uh, they were having, um, that their writing was effective. So that was, that was just so eye-opening and such a surprise. I did not expect such a big gap. So, you know, we as, as communicators, as marketers, as, and a lot of small business owners that do their own marketing, we know what it is, but we're not, we're not hitting that goal
1: well, I don't know why it is, but maybe it's just becoming harder and harder. And of course, I grew up as a content creator, right? So traditionally, the whole promoting my content doesn't come or didn't used to come natural to me, right? Now it's second nature. Um, but I think people forget about that as well, just because you write something that's really good. If nobody finds it, I mean, who cares? What What I found interesting in your report here, this is on page four, state of writing, 2020, and we'll have the link uh, in the show notes. typesetcontent.com forward slash blog state hyphen of hyphen writing hyphen research, but uh, it, good luck writing that down based on what I just said. It'll be in the show notes, of course, on all the different channels. Nearly half of communicators struggle to know what their audience wants to read. That's just, that's, I'm I'm shocked. I really am. I mean, is that because um, they haven't gotten to the point of uh, creating personas and and doing research and testing things. Or why that seems to be such a high number? I'm not going to say, Sarah, that I always have the answer either. What people are wanted to read, right? And sometimes I wonder why they're reading one article over another. But half is this like flip the coin, and you you might you get fifty percent right. <laughs>
0: Well, this was, and that, that is staggering, isn't it? And, you know, anybody that's worked in journalism and, and I, you know, I spent some time um, as a freelance journalist, that's really, that's the heart and soul of it is what does my, what does my audience want? So we, we looked at the overall respondents and it was, you know, it was about half of them said they don't know what their audience wants to read, but then it became more interesting. And this is, this is the comparison that we wanted to do. Who is saying that they're having success and what are they doing compared to people that are, you know, not doing as well as they'd want to or only um, saying they've got moderate success. So when you look, when you break those two groups out, 65% of the most successful business communicators, um, or I'm sorry, um, 72% 72% of the most successful business communicators say they do know what their audience wants to read. So a pretty high majority, but those that are not as effective, that that's much higher. 65% of them are saying they don't know. So that says right there. And to your point that the first part of effective writing for many of these, and that was the number one struggle of people who are only having moderate success. They don't know what their audience wants to read, uh, compared to people who are having a lot of success. And it, it's, you know, Uh, three quarters of them understand that one factor. So, you know, what it's getting to the, to the heart of um, what you should be producing, who is your audience and what kind of information are they looking for? And I don't know, we didn't get the granularity on that. First of all, that was a surprise. Um, We didn't get the granularity on that question because we had, we didn't ask all the and probably enough questions around it, but it is things like, you know, do you have a, uh, uh, do you have personas? Have you done audience investigation? Are you surveying them? Are you even talking to your current customers? And I think that it probably speaks to this whole idea um, of content sharing. Six and 10 business communicators, com- communicators are planning to write more in the next 12 months, um, according to our survey. But only 30% of them were going to invest more money You know, so to me, that says, you you know, um, I'm not I'm maybe I'm not having a lot of success. Um, I'm not really sure what my audience wants to read. I'm going to create more content and I'm not going to be well funded. And you tell me, Christoph, what do you think the result of that's going to be to the business?
1: I'm just infuriated by by seeing stats like that, because so first of all, I mean, I do have to admit creating more content when you do it within a strategy you are to an extent increasing your chances right the more you write the more chances you have to get it to perform but if you're just creating the same stuff over and over it can hurt your seo right so sometimes you shouldn't be writing a new article you should update an old article i mean i actually um i have had i don't know three podcast interviews about yep. uh, reviews right online And basically I've had four articles on the website about reviews and I put them all together in one big article about how to make reviews work. And there's another one I'm gonna add to that. By now it's a 20 minute read. If you actually were to sit down and read the whole article. So it's pretty comprehensive, but why do I need four articles? Why does everything need to be so splintered? But I didn't do much writing, right? At the end, at the tail end, it was really more editing. So I know it's about state of the writing, but sometimes it's not about writing new. Sometimes it's about updating what you have, optimizing what you have, and you still need writing skills for that. And then this whole thing, three in 10 plan to increase their budget. I mean, no offense to Fiverr, but what are they going to do? Hire somebody on Fiverr and write it? And you're going to have to rewrite it 10 times because it will cost you five bucks. I mean, how are you going to do more with right. less and you're money?
0: Not, and you're not getting the effectiveness that you want. and And, and that is the problem. And I think- Um, I think it's a problem for business because they, they say we're investing a lot of money, but um, you know, nothing's happening and there's just more and more and more stuff out there. And most of the publishing, most of the people that responded say the majority of their publishing or all of their publishing is online. So we're looking at a cluttered internet. It's already hard to cut through and we're going to, we're going to add more stuff out there. And I know myself, if I am working under pressure of time or, and pressure of time comes in when you have to do more and you're not well-funded, right? Um, I'm not going to have enough money to hire more people, but I'm going to create a lot more content. So that means in my own self, I'm busier. And then all those things that we did um, find out do contribute to effectiveness go out the window. So I'm not going to have time to um, to to think this through. I'm not going to have time to uh, for audience research. I may not even have time to or or um, had the funds to invest in a strategy that's going to guide me about what my audience wants. I may not even understand really what my business goals are. I'm just trying to go out and um, hit as many keywords as possible. And I think what we found out and, and to your point about SEO. Writers, modern marketers don't really understand all of the pieces that are required to make something effective. And that's why. That's why I wanted to um, research effectiveness as opposed to just good writing or bad writing. So, because as you know, when you publish online and you just said it yourself um, there, it's not necessarily just sitting down and writing a new piece every time it's looking at that whole ecosystem of your business or your brand and figuring out how all the different parts fit together. And when do you need to pull one lever over another lever to make it more effective. And as you said, that might be going back and looking at old content, updating it, um, getting your ba- backlink strategy together. And that was another area we found people just don't really understand is SEO. They're, they're just finding it too hard and they're missing some real tricks with things like internal linking to their own site. So um, that was, you know, as, as the first year, really a lot of eye opening things in this um, report.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, here's kind of my strategy. What I do, I just, uh, like even the article that's now twenty a 20 minute read, it actually makes you look very thorough when you send somebody a link to an article that's a 20 minute read, right? Because it's like, I mean, what am I missing in here? So that's one thing. The other thing I do when I have an idea for some new content, and I'll probably do this with this podcast as well. I don't know if there's any content on my blog that talks about the state of writing. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. And then what I'll do is I'll see where that ranks. Has anybody read it, right? And if it was written four years ago, it like I had an article that published last week and it's not showing in the all time top 80 or whatever, but yeah. it's only had a week, right? But if it has four years and it's not in the top 80, it's not gonna get there anytime soon. So I might just republish it, I might reuse it. And then here's the other thing, what I like about doing that, um, you can link to all the new content that has come around in the last four years, right? And that's um, that's another thing I found I, I like very much. So on page 15 in the 2020 report, you talk about um, editorial meetings um, and also whether or not one person oversees written content. And of course, I, they're slightly different, but editorial meetings, I mean, I don't have editorial meetings because it's just me right, doing the podcast, deciding what I want to do. But when I work with a team, it's so helpful to have editorial meetings. And how do people brainstorm if they don't have meetings? I mean, why were you surprised how low that number is? It's at 67% for uh, extremely effective writers and at 43% for moderately effective.
0: Yeah, I was. And, you know, in, in some ways, if you're in the content marketing community, that's a little
1: bit embarrassing
0: almost that we're not, one of the things that we discovered too is the most effective, um, communicators put a lot of editorial rigor around their content. Um, so that's, you know, it, and that's, that is things like editorial meetings that is having somebody oversee all your content. Now, if you work in a um, in a, a a freelance business or if you're consultancy and you are the one person that's um, in that business, like you are, and like um, I I am, and when I'm running global copywriting, then all the responsibility comes on me. But if you're working in an organization and you've got a marketing team or you've got writers that are, you know, working as free agents in your business. That's really, that's a problem because, because that means there is no one person that is saying this fits into my, our brand strategy, or this meets our editorial guidelines, or even that this is, um, grammatically correct, you know, so, um, not having editorial meetings to me just speaks to not having very good planning processes And if you don't have very good planning processes, you're probably not working very strategically. And I would say there's probably no strategy to, you know, go back and rely on to help guide those kind of um, activity, writing activities.
1: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing I just thought about, we had the the crew from the Marketing O'Clock podcast on the live stream earlier this week. Ah, uh, check that out if you like periscope.tv forward slash C Trap. It's probably the easiest way to find it, and they have a news show. I don't know mm-hmm. if you listen to them, Sarah, or not, but every Friday they come out the mar- and they 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 give a roundup of marketing news in uh, marketing news. And I said, so what do you do? Do you have a meeting, editorial meetings? And they go, No, we we don't. You give us too much credit. But what we do is we have a Slack channel. And we share the stories we want to talk about. We kind of brainstorm a little bit. So it doesn't an editorial meeting doesn't necessarily have to be get in the conference room, put the story budget on the the the, uh, the whiteboard. Of course, now many of us are working at home, anyways. But you can also do it on Slack, right? Especially if you trust each other and you can talk to each other. So um, that's another way to at least have some kind of editorial. Yeah, and I structure think meeting
0: is a loose term. Like my business partner is in London. So we don't sit down in a conference room together and plan out the editorial calendar, but we have a lot of shared tools, you know, through Dropbox and, um, uh, you know, Google that we share that kind of keep track. It's a way for us to, and and we do this for every one of our clients. It's a way for us to um, have an online system so we can see how the strategy is rolling out, but you know these tools like editorial calendars help guide the meeting, so that when we do talk, or sometimes our editorial meetings are done through email too. Um, just because it's not in a traditional meeting doesn't mean that that there, that 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 hasn't happened that on a regular basis. And I think it's important to have some consistent frequency around that. So if it's once a week or once a month or whatever it is that makes sense for your business, that you are talking about what kinds of things are you going to publish. Is it tracking to your strategy? Is it helping, you know, is it focused on your audience? Um, Is it, uh, is it timely? Or is there something that's happening in your industry or in your business that you need to change priority? So all of that stuff is important. So yeah, I agree with you. I would say if they're talking about stuff like that on Slack, that to me is an editorial meeting.
1: It is, yeah, absolutely, and of course, the one thing to keep in mind if you use email, I hate, 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 hate email, especially when people send me lengthy paragraphs, and I'm like, at least use your your uh, enter <laughs> button every once in a while. But you know, if it works for everybody, um, go for it. Um, so on on uh, page sixteen, it talks about those are who are those who are extremely very effective are more likely than those who are moderately effective. To consistently edit their content in all ways, and then you have a graphic: seventy-four um, percent edit for grammar and spelling, which is unbelievable too. Like, w- what happened to the other twenty-six? Sixty percent logic and flow, fact checking, fifty-six percent subject matter, fifty-one, and search engine optimization. Far, far last place here: twenty-three uh, uh, percent. What well, were I'm with you. It's you like saw that? why
0: especially with spell checker, why aren't you at least editing for grammar and spelling? And those, um, those statistics that you just gave, those were the most effective. And if you look at people that are struggling, you can see why, I mean, they're not, you know, only 40% are even checking their writing for logic and flow, you know, and those are, so when we, when we are faced with this um, era of too much information and I start to read something and I'm finding grammar errors or, it doesn't make sense or, um, or there are things that aren't even true in it. How long am I going to stay on that page? And how likely am I to, um, to take any kind of action? You know, how likely am I to convert based on that content? So I, 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 think it really is shocking. I know, um, and this go, you know, going back to journalistic practice, you get used to working with editors and proofreaders and it can be a little confronting um, in the beginning because those are very destructive kind of processes that tell a writer that there's areas where they've made mistakes or they could improve. But once you've accepted the, you know, the um, the brilliance of having somebody else help you improve, um, I, I I couldn't work without a proofreader. I, I certainly wouldn't submit anything to a customer Um it just adds so much value in all, in all of these ways. And what we found out was the people that do, that are the most effective in their writing that get the best results do tend to edit in all the ways. So yeah, I flabbergasted that um, it wasn't like 99% edit for spelling and grammar.
1: (laughs) I mean, I've been in companies where there's no editing going on. People self-edit, and there's plenty of people who can who can edit um the content. And I think it's necessary. I mean, even when I th- send things to my editor, you know, sometimes there's like nothing that comes back. And sometimes there's some good recommendations. And sometimes there's just some some typos, you know, or or some some spelling error, or, you know, like the whole build versus built. I I'm pretty sure I get that wrong about a hundred percent of the time until she catches that. So Um, certainly there's no harm in doing that. But then there, of course, is there's tools you can now use um, to have spell check and grammar check as well. Right. To just, I mean, you don't even need a person for some of those things anymore. Uh, On page 19 here, you talk about the the business benefits most often used to evaluate writing effectiveness. Um, And of course, a big chunk, 69% says increase in new customers. How how have you seen that work? That you can tie what we've been writing to an increase well, this in is customers? I think
0: this is what's interesting too for um, especially people working in marketing. And Christoph, earlier um, you were you were talking a little bit about you know what you expect to have happen with your um, with your writing, and you're you're spending a lot of time thinking about your audience and and what you want them to do. Um, Most, you know, most of us that, especially if we're not working for ourselves, but even if we are working for ourselves, we have this from our business that the marketing is going to do something. And especially if we have a big content marketing initiative or even, even a modest content marketing initiative, business is going to say, we will fund this. We will give you a budget for freelance writers, or we'll give you a budget for, um, infographics, or we'll give you a budget for, you know, whatever it is, but then they do expect that that investment is going to somehow help the business. Um, and I think what's happening is that first of all, you know, as writers, it's hard to make a connection between, for example, writing a blog post and increasing new customers. You know, I, I've never written a blog post that, you know, just get, and I work mostly in B2B. So like I've, I've never written a blog post that sold a, you know, a million dollar piece of manufacturing equipment that it just doesn't happen that way. Um, but I do think that where we have disconnects is that the business has an idea about what they want their investment to do. And marketing has a different idea and we're not, doing a very good job of stitching those business goals to the marketing objectives that that then um, um, result in content and writing production so that I, I that might have been a convoluted answer but um, I guess the problem that I'm seeing is that as we are reporting on effectiveness on whether or not Things work, we're not reporting on it in a way that business is interested in seeing. And if we're not, if everything we're producing or writing is not tied back to a business goal, and if we can't report on how we are impacting that business goal, and we're not having very much success, the kind of writing that we're producing, I just can't see how we're going to continue to get um, budget to do more writing and to do more content production.
1: I think overall, certainly it needs to help with the business. It needs to help establish the business and push it in front of customers. But sometimes what I just thought about as you were talking about this, uh, you know, we spent money on uh, email servers or email systems or computers or whatever. Right. But how are those things specifically driving new customers right so it's it's not the having an email system it's not the having computers it's not one blog post it's not one social post it's everything together right it's not like one blog post it's not one salesperson going out and knocking on a door um, and i think sometimes maybe people uh, want to overanalyze everything going about over what people are not overanalyzing however, apparently it's seo which is a huge miss when it comes to publishing anything online and i did write about this before on authentic it's also in content performance culture the accidental seo strategy and maybe this is the reason why people want to write more because the more you write at some point you will hit seo goal even if you have no <laughs> clue what <Yep>. you're doing <laughs> do you know what i mean And I mean, you you will, like, if you write a thousand articles, one or two will take off and you still don't know why. And you're going to say, how come they're taking off? But why are people, I mean, the survey found that people are not spending as much time thinking about SEO. Some people said it's too difficult. I don't find it difficult at all. In fact, guys, here's the only thing I do with SEO. I was going to write an article and I did my, I used the Keywords Everywhere uh, Chrome plugin. Um, A thousand keywords for $10, so really, really inexpensive. Um, And I looked and there were no searches for what I was going to write about. So I'm like, yeah, I probably don't want to write about that. And then I thought about other topics and that's the only way I use it. I don't overthink it. I don't, you know, I don't overstuff my content. I just think, hey, is anybody even searching for this topic? Should I focus on that topic today or this topic? Um, but I was surprised how little investment yeah, there was is in too. SEO.
0: Um, definitely. And, and I think this is the, you know, when we talk about the art and science, there are a lot of people creating content, and a lot of people writing for businesses that really just don't understand SEO and they don't pay attention to it. And I talk to I talk to business owners all the time and, and uh, uh, you know, um, execs who say, we've spent all this money on content and, you know, the phone's not ringing anymore. We're not getting any new customers, you know, and then you go out and look at the content and there's things like there's not even a call to action. You ask for keywords. They they don't know what their keywords are. Right. They're writing in a, um, they're kind of approaching the writing task in an old style where everything's going to be printed and handed out. So if you publish online this SEO part is really important, and one of the things i 've found out Christoph, as i 've talked to people about this, and you know the, the the most effective communicators understand it. We saw a big difference between um, those who are saying that they 're successful or very successful and their approach to SEO and whether or not they optimized and and whether or not they check rankings. Um, and whether or not they're evaluating backlinks compared to those who were moderately successful. So there's these, there's these huge gaps, but in talking to people, I think a lot of people, if they, especially if they don't have a technology background, if they come in through the writing side, instead of a marketing side, if they don't have any kind of, um, interest at all in how things work on the internet, they just don't understand that there are two parts to SEO. There's the <coughs> SEO services, and that's where you've got people that really have to understand the ins and outs of Google, and you know you you um, are focused on keywords, and you're focused on AdWords, and you're doing all of those kind of back-end things all the time compared to what writers can do, which is on-page SEO. So I think what's happening is like – SEO, it's just hard. I don't maybe even understand what it means. I don't understand how I can influence it. So I'm just going to not do anything. When in fact, you know, every writer could be doing things like making sure they've got good titles. And you talked about that earlier, the importance of appeal to a reader that wants to click on it. Do you have, uh, you know, subheading tags? Do you have H1 tags? Do you have H2 tags? Are your keywords in the headings and subheadings? Have you written meta descriptions? Have you written captions for your um, images? Are have you written alternative text for your images? Are you linking to other things on your website? Are you link, Are you putting in external links to um, high quality sites that relate to your industry? So yes, over time, if you you know if you keep writing and you're writing on one topic or one area, and you've got time to you know uh rank organically that will happen because google is trying to look for original high quality content but it doesn't take a lot for writers to just the way that they format and structure their writing can significantly increase their chances of organic search rankings and i think what we found out was that a lot of people that are writing today don't understand it and don't do it and they're just kind of confused and frustrated by the whole thing.
1: Well, and you know, to defend the writers just a little bit here, part of that, and we always have great discussions, Kathy McPhillips, when she was on the show, she she was on the totally opposite end of uh, where people should write. Uh, there was somebody else who, who talked to me about it. Who was that? Um, I don't remember, but some, some other people usually disagree with me as well. But I, I personally think writers need to be writing in the CMS. Now, Kathy said, that's almost impossible because I got eight people looking at the content. They can't all have access to the CMS or they're writing somewhere. But I actually, and I hear her point, but I also think that part of the reason it's so difficult because when you write in a Word document, it's really hard to visualize everything. It's really hard to say a link should go here an image should go here it's the images aren't even in the same way that is such a
0: good point christoph because if you're somebody that's never looked in in the back end of a cms you might not even know all of the things all the opportunities but you know what we do how we get around it and in our um in the report that link that you've given there's a um, opportunity to download this we so when i'm working with writers you know and you work with all different kinds of writers and if you work with a subject matter expert they may not know anything about modern marketing we have a a a blogging or an article template that we put on the front and we expect every and it's about a page long we expect every one of these um um, boxes to be filled out so we are asking things about you know the meta description have you written it um what is the meta description have you and, and even to the point of like what are the LinkedIn updates? What are the tweets that you want to put out? Um, where are the images? Have you written the alternate, uh, alternate text? And you can, you can put some of that intelligence that we understand when you have worked in a CMS into a blogging template and get the writer to be thinking about it at the time. And then the other thing that that does is when you use that kind of mm-hmm. a, a tool – and it definitely is a, a tool, it is now the writer has become more aware. And in the briefing, you know, what are the keywords? And you can put those keywords right in the blogging template. And now the writer understands that there's it's more than just getting the story on the page. You know, put the call to action in there as well. Um, Put the other places that you're linking out to in that blogging template. Um, And we find that, that that's really um helpful, and that has helped all kinds of writers to – understand what they need <clears> to be doing <throat> to make sure that the content is going to um, rank organically better. And I think if, I think if, if writers understand that, what, what does it take? And, it's really not that hard. They just don't, they just, it's just too confusing. They just don't understand it. And if there's an SEO expert that talks about, you know, um, taxonomy and, you know, and, and AdWords and buying ads and, Mm -hmm. A lot of writers, they just glaze over because it's 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 not how their brain works.
1: It is. So the other thing, I mean, certainly a blogging template, I've used that before. I think that's that's a step in the right direction. Uh, I I also when people write in the CMS or even WordPress, I use the Yoast SEO plugin and I don't let it dictate my life. But when everything turns green, I'm happy. You know when when the SEO is green, when the readability is green, I'm happy because it's it's like a game. And then the other thing, and I just pulled this up here. This is on my Instagram account, guys. Uh, I use the I just posted this November first a couple of weeks ago. I get my monthly report from Hrefs, and basically it tells me. Um, how I'm ranking, how my blog is ranking. So really would recommend that you use, whether you use Ahrefs or another tool. Um, And it says top three positions, 17 uh, keywords plus two. Awesome, right? Uh, That made me feel good. Uh, Four to 10, positions four to 10, 166 uh, keywords, uh, minus 10. So I lost 10. I was 176 the month before, but still, that's a lot of keywords. And then um, 11 to 50, which I don't know, that might be page two and beyond, 1,600 uh, plus 53. So at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers and when the numbers are presented to you, um, that can help writers to keep doing what they're doing. Because who doesn't want their stuff to be read? That's such a
0: good point, Christoph, because, you know, when we, we write, we want somebody to read it you know we want people to find us and and, and writers often don't have any any kind mm-hmm. of a um or they they feel like that they don't have any influence at all in how well people are going to be able to find them on the and, and find their articles on the on the internet but it doesn't take a lot um to to put some of this what what you know what is called on page seo um activities into your writing and that and it helps a lot. So yeah, you know, if you if you're writing ultimately the goal is to have somebody read what you're writing. I don't think any of us are are, are writing for therapy. Well, maybe some people are writing for therapy, but we're really <laughs> looking at business writing and if you're writing for business then the whole intent of the uh, of the exercise of putting words on a page or on a screen is to make sure somebody reads them.
1: Well, some of my first uh, po- um, blog posts on authenticstorytelling.net, I'm pretty sure, were written for therapy, and people still read them. And now I slowly update them when it makes sense. Um, 2020 certainly has been a dumpster fire um, and uh, quite a mess. Hopefully, we can get out of here, out of it here at some point. In fact, 2020 has been so bad, I created a T-shirt, and I'll put the link in the show notes. 2020. Terrible customer experience, nonstop. Would not recommend. One star. Um, So you can get that on Amazon. I'll post the link. But I'm not just plugging my T-shirt here. This is my transition to get to 2021. Because Sarah, you and the team, you're putting out. uh, You're working on the next. Yeah, that's right. And I just um, you mentioned Michelle Lynn
0: earlier um, in the in the episode here. um, We partnered with Michelle and Mantis Research on this survey as. You know, it's easy to develop a survey that um, where p- that people answer just the way that you want to. And I wanted to make sure that we had a really objective, high-quality survey that was going to provide um, good insight to the people taking it. And we've had that comment saying, you know, oh, it really made me think about some things when I took it, but also to provide really objective research to anybody that's working in writing. So um, the... This, It'll be the second annual survey. It opened yesterday. If you work um, in content or if you have anything to do with uh, writing your content production, I'd be really grateful if you could take it. It's about a it takes about five minutes. Um, this year we are offering a a um, hundred dollar Amazon gift card to to uh, there'll be a draw at the end. Uh, one of the people that um, there'll be a draw of all the people that. Uh, register register their interest in it for the people that have finished. Um, But it's a global survey. We're really trying to look at how we can become better writers and how we can become um, more effective and contribute more to to the, to the business goals and contribute to a better return on investment for um, writing budgets. So yes, it's again, a long explanation, but, um, the 2021 survey it opened yesterday. The survey results will be out in February,
1: and we'll certainly post that link as well. So if you guys want to participate, and if you win the hundred dollar gift certificate, you can buy the nineteen dollar ninety nine cent T shirt and still have eighty dollars. It's going to well. I was thinking about that. It's going to be the, the, it's going to be a hundred dollars of the your currency exchange. So
0: <laughs> you know if it's an american person that gets it it's going to be american dollars and if it's australian it'd be a 100 australian dollars yeah,
1: yeah. Pro- uh, well, probably probably no, i mean we I don't I'm
0: we, we have um we have customers so. in about 5 countries so we're pretty good at um we're pretty good at currency exchange at typeset
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Sarah, it was great to uh, have you on so the show. Thank really, really um, you so much, Christoph. I really enjoyed
0: us. spending uh, this time early on a Friday morning with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us. And everyone, please make sure you take the survey. Tomorrow's episode 243 will be the importance of creativity with Adam Morgan. Adam is a top creative and executive creative director at Adobe. And we're talking about how can you be more creative? And here is a little bit of foreshadowing. It has nothing to do with writing ineligible, whatever it is, you know, in an unreadable way on sticky notes. Nothing. Join Adam and I tomorrow. Thanks again to Sarah for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best
0: stories win.